Hey guys, welcome back to Vetfolio Voice for this extra special episode featuring the magical Dr. Toffee Blaber, my BFF since freshman year anatomy in vet school. It was so good to see her. Guys, between COVID and both of us having kids, it had been like two years since we'd seen each other, maybe longer. And we finally reunited at VMX 2022. Like I said, Toffee and I have been friends since freshman year anatomy, so it was really cool to take this opportunity to reflect on how our lives and our careers have progressed from then to where we are now. We reflected on things that have surprised us in our careers, both good and bad, and how those things influence us day to day in practice. But I'll let you listen for yourself. Let me tell you a little bit about Toffee and then we'll jump in. Dr. Toffee Blaber completed her undergraduate coursework at the University of Florida with a major in animal sciences and a minor in business administration. She was then accepted to the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine and graduated with her DVM degree in 2014. She currently resides in St. Augustine, Florida, where she works as a small animal practitioner in general practice. She enjoys dermatology with a focus on allergy management and dentistry. And as a mother of two, Dr. Blaber is also a professional toddler wrangler with an avid love of corgis and has a staunch enthusiasm for charcuterie boards, sarcasm, and Prosecco. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Let's jump in. Thank you so much for tuning in to this. I'm going to call it a special edition podcast. It's special to me because I'm recording with my BFF. Hey. The one and only Dr. Toffee Blaber. We've known each other since freshman anatomy, and we are catching up at VMX 2022. By the time you guys hear this, VMX will be over. But we're doing what you're supposed to be doing at VMX. We're catching up with colleagues. It's been like, I don't know, what, two years since we've seen each other? Too long. Too long. Too long. So we're just going to talk about some of the conversations that we have just, you know, like talking on the phone on our drives to go pick up our kids and stuff. And kind of digesting that information, we came up with the topic of things that have surprised us since we've graduated vet school and how, like how we've navigated them. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. That's awesome. So we, we kind of wrote down a list just so we weren't completely drawing a blank in the beginning here. And the first thing we put on the list was just how accommodating specialists are versus our experience in vet school. Yeah. (laughs) No. So when I first, this was like my first month of practicing and I had like this crazy internal med case and I don't even remember what it is now, but when I called UF to get help about it, it was Dr. Hill who was my clinician when I was on medicine. And at first when I called him, I was like, okay, he's going to sit there and like berate me and ask me for like 20 differentials. (laughs) What is your differential? Yeah. And give me like a D minus when I was all (laughs) done talking to him. But he was so accommodating. Like he was, and he even said some of my thoughts were wonderful and he spent like 20 minutes on the phone with me and at the end he was like how are you doing like how's how are things going at your job and I was like oh my god this is so amazing <laughs> this is so different from my experience in vet school I, I was like am I gonna have to write a soap about this afterwards and send it to you like oh my god email it for editing purposes yes no he was really nice and there's just every specialist that I talked to same scenario like they're incredibly accommodating they don't make you feel dumb they take your time and so it's been really nice knowing that you're just not alone when you're out there practicing so that was very surprising I've had similar experiences one of my favorite specialists to work with 
Dr. Hill, if you're listening, we love you. Thank you oh, for teaching us so all hard, you taught yes. us in vet school. <laughs> but yeah, we have an, an ophthalmologist in Gainesville who is like the same way. I will send him just like random things, sometimes about my own dog. And absolutely, I, I feel like I tell new grads that when I'm mentoring or, or talking to them about things, I'm like, this isn't vet school anymore. If you get stumped, like don't call somebody. They'll tell you the answer. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to like you know come up with it all by yourself yeah no you don't have to cry in a corner like there's so many people out there to help you oh how many times I did that in vet school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even just like our diagnostic lab has internists on staff which oh, yeah. like I had no idea when I first practiced so there's just so much help available if you need it and then they're just so kind also which they is are. really nice but yeah, so I I love that you just like have so much camaraderie, like you said, and you have so many people available to help you and they're really nice about it. That's been such a such a cool thing since graduation, because I feel like in vet school, I mean, and I, I get it. You know, they're trying to prepare us to be, you know, individual practitioners and go out and, and hold our own and stuff like that. But yeah, like that question of like, what is this? I'm like, well, what do you think it is? And Every you're like, time. I don't know. I forgot everything yeah. I ever learned. <laughs> <laughs> And please don't give me a D. Like, exactly. I need to pass this conversation. But it, yeah, it's like a switch flips when you're when you're out and you graduate and you're like, oh, you actually like, you know, will talk to me like a colleague. And this is cool. And it, it takes a while to get used to. But eventually I feel like I've, I've slowly gotten used to it over the years. Yeah, definitely. So another thing that really surprised me is, I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast that I went to school to work on dairy cows. I love dairy cows and I loved all my time in vet school. So I, I tracked mixed animal. I always intended to do to maintain like some small animal, but I really love working on dairy cows. And so I took a job out of school because I graduated. We graduated in 2014, which there were jobs available, but it was still kind of on like the tail end of that recession where there weren't tons of jobs available. Right, right. So it wasn't like it is now. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take this job and, you know, I'll do it for a little while and then eventually I'll find my way back to large animal. No, like I love being a, a small animal practitioner. I love being a smallie. And there's so many things that I'm like, if you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. If you're like, you're going to be a small animal GP who likes yoga and dentistry. Oh, I would have been like, that's not you. No. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going to be elbows deep in a cow is right. where you're going to yeah. be. I like was so surprised you wanted to do small animal. And I love it. I love it. And the funny thing is, is the thing I love the most about it is like the relationships with the client, which I was a technician at the university before I went to, well, I was in, technically I was an assistant. I was not credentialed, but I was an assistant at the university before I went to vet school. So that's a tertiary referral center. Like you're not forming client relationships and stuff like that. So I, I really had like no concept of that before I went into small animal general practice and I'm like well this is pretty cool I yeah. like it no I think and it's so surprising like how much clients like love their veterinarian and trust them I know so much about my clients like they'll send me pictures of their house remodel and they'll ask me my opinion and I'm like you don't want my opinion but I'll give it and then they'll tell me about like their kids and their life and what's going on with them and it's so sweet to see how much clients like love their vet and trust them and just want to like involve them in their life and I'm a huge introvert so I'm usually like not very touchy-feely and I'm like the least amount of contact we can have the better but I love forming those relationships with our clients and then of course obviously like you love their pets too so they tell you everything about their pets and show you all the pictures and it's actually like really sweet and I really love that aspect of it too absolutely and then you had a surprise of what you thought you'd be doing 
Oh, After yes. After med school, too. I thought I was going to just be, like, the surgery boss. Like, I remember being in surgery. Like, they had, I don't know. And when, you were. Like, I remember you told me you did a Rottweiler spay in, like, I don't know. It was, like, 15 minutes no, or something. And she and, was, like, pregnant. Or, I don't even know. No. And hilariously now, like, a 10-pound dog spay, I'm, like, sweating bullets. And it takes me, like, an hour. And I'm just cussing the whole time. And I'm, like, <laughs> this is so stressful for me now. But, yeah, like, then I thought I was just going to go crazy for surgery and just do surgery all the time and after being in practice for a while I'm like I really hate this now like cat neuters I'm gold and that's (laughs) it but anything beyond that I'm like I really don't want it and I'll have clients ask me to do crazy surgeries crazy for me anyway but they're like will you do a PU on my cat and I'm like nope you don't want me doing that I will make things a hundred times worse if I do the (laughs) surgery so no don't let me do that (laughs) unfortunately so I'm in the same boat I also have no desire like I will pull teeth all day long but aside from that like I really I don't want to use a scalpel I, as a matter of fact like I was using a scalpel on teeth the other day I watched it go into my finger and I was like oh just stab myself with a scalpel blade so yeah you don't want me using a scalpel but I had a colleague have my back the other day where it, it was an amputation and it was a client that I was very familiar with and they said well you know I've always come here and I've seen Dr. Fleming like do you think she would do it she was like <laughs> no no, yeah, I no. no I and the laugh at the I was end like, of that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no. There's that's a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pass. No, I'm gonna pass. and I think that's the other thing that surprised me too is like you're allowed to say no. I think when I first graduated, like just being GP, like you just feel like you have to do everything for everyone, no matter what. And then it took some time for me to be able to say no. Like I'm not comfortable with this. I'm doing this for you and for me. Like this is not something that I'm going to be able to do for you. So that took me some time to kind of get to that point so so yeah so major surgeries even just routine space I'm like I'm not down with this but I will do it so full disclosure I had a client not too long ago who I did a a dental on one of their dogs and they were like well we really want you to do the spay on our other dog and I said it it was like a little like tiny tiny chihuahua I think she was like five pounds (laughs) and I was like oh it's a tiny chihuahua like I can do a cat spay I can do a chihuahua spay sure why not so I did it I didn't sleep for two days yes I was like (gasps) (laughs) I hate and I'll just sit there and inspect the pedicle for like an hour well I couldn't because she was like 95 degrees oh true and I couldn't get it like back out of the abdomen because it was like it was so it was such a tight pedicle it was a young puppy I'm like trying to visualize this thing and it's just down in the abdomen and the temperature is dropping so I couldn't even like dig for it or anything so I was just like please be okay and (laughs) come on momentum do your job and and I didn't sleep for two days and I was like never again if I ever agree to a spay again tell me no go just walk in behind me and be like I know she said yes but it's a no yeah it's a no no they're oh gosh they're terrible like Like, you said for you and for me we're gonna say no yeah no hate surgery (laughs) hey man I'm there with you if any surgeons are listening just know that like we're we're very grateful for you oh a hundred percent like you are my people thank you for existing um, colleagues that I work with at, at the practice I work for and they they love surgery and they're so good at it and I love it when people are like will you do this surgery I'm like well, let me have you talk to this doctor over yeah. here because and, and like you said I'm just honest with them I'm like I, this is not my forte this is not where I shine I will sit here in this exam room and like you know talk you through whatever we need to figure out but like when we when it comes to an OR let me send you to this person and I'm so thankful for you know these like they're general practitioners but they're so good at surgery and they feel confident and it gives them energy and I'm like well then then you should do it yeah no, and none of them definitely. want to pull teeth thank yeah. goodness yeah exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I'm like fortunate that I live in a big town where we have specialists to refer to and I'm not the one that like has to do it out of necessity too. So that's really nice as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Though so another challenge that we talk about a lot are our children. Oh, we yeah. are both working mom veterinarians. Yeah. We both have two kids. I have two girls. Toffee has a boy and a girl. Yeah. The sweetest little things. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> But it's challenging. It's challenging. So, Tavi, I know, you know, like, like your son had to have tonsils and adenoids and ha- yeah. and tubes in and his tubes. ears. Yeah. And he yeah. had a lot of, like, upper respiratory stuff going on yeah. in the beginning. So can you talk to us about, you know, just kind of the challenges that presented trying to be a veterinarian and be there for your son yeah. through all this stuff? Absolutely, Cassie. <laughs> so. So my kids go to a very large daycare. And so the daycare is basically, even though like they do a really good job about staying on top of cleaning and everything at the end of the day, it's it's a giant Petri dish. And so at least 800 respiratory infections a year. Like (laughs) when I I was worried that my kids like maybe like like three of them per day. No, really. I mean, honestly. And so like I was worried at one point and I was like talking to my pediatrician and I was like, is there something wrong with my kids? Like they have a cold probably about every two to three weeks and they're like no totally normal kids in daycare have a cold at least 14 times a year and I was like whoa like that's <laughs> that's horrible what they don't tell you is then you get that cold yeah and exactly. it's 10 times worse for you yeah so it circulates through the house and the last person to get it which is usually either mom or dad gets it like absolute worst mm-hmm. but yeah so they just get sick all the time and there's always that stressor of like okay which parent is going to be the one that has to take off of work all of a sudden and stay home with the sick kid and generally they're sick too at the same time so you're just like slumming it at home while you're super sick and everyone's just miserable but it's my kids would be sick but they would also still have the energy of a thousand suns and so (laughs) while I'm just draining and dying they're still going full speed ahead and nothing is slowing them down and so it's just like the challenges of trying to like be there for your clients but also being there for your kids too and you still have to tell yourself at the end of the day like your mom your kids are the most important thing and so you you do what you can to be there for your clients but at the end of the day like if you got to go home and take care of your kids and you have to accept that and be okay with that and I think there was an adjustment period after having kids of like okay when I first started without having kids my whole identity was vet med and I would do you know I would stay late and do everything I could and now for me my priority is always my family and so that's not to say like I don't give it a hundred percent but if my kids aren't well like I, I have to go home and take care of them if my husband's not able to so it's trying to find that balance of of taking care of just everybody and having multiple things that you're juggling and then same thing with surgeries you know my son needed you know several days at home and I think that's the reality of vet med now is it's predominantly women and so you have to make accommodations for working mothers and be family friendly and I'm so so fortunate to have a boss that's very accommodating for that and that's where I see a little bit of a a shift where we're starting to see a little bit more balance in that respect and this is you know I'm only speaking from my own experiences so maybe this is a generalization but when I was teching and this was almost 20 years ago now but (laughs) no we're not that old (laughs) (laughs) but as a tech it's like you you worked through lunch you packed in as much as you could you stayed an hour or two late every single day 
you rarely had weekends off and that was the norm and now it's like having a good quality of life is starting to be more at the forefront and something that's important and it's really nice to see that shift just to be able to afford a good quality of life to to vet you know vet moms but anyone who's a veterinarian like that's very important too so it's nice to see that absolutely veterinarians all veterinary professionals and Hopefully we'll we'll catch up with the rest of our staff and everything like that over time and, and get better in that regard with yeah. our, our nurses and, and everything like that. Yeah. So you mentioned having things in balance. And for me, I think what helps me a lot with sick kids and sometimes, you know, it all hits the fan and every client needs you all at once. And it's usually when you have a sick kid. And <laughs> almost always, <laughs> almost always. And so like just kind of giving yourself that grace and forgiving yourself for not being able to be everything to everyone at the same time, realizing that it's never going to be in balance. Like always one part of you is going to get a little more than another part of you. And the balance is is a whole right. Like it's it's not going to be in balance on a given day, but hopefully, you know, over a year it can be. You know, I was there for my clients as much as I could be, and I was there for my kids as much as I could be. And forgiving yourself for not being able to give 100% to every person and everything in your life. All the time. All the time, because that mathematically doesn't make sense. No, and yeah, and then you just, like, reach a point where you're like, there's not enough, like, gallon jugs of wine in the world. (laughs) Like, I have to be able to... I'm going to go to the boxes. Like, we're just going (laughs) to... Red or white, I don't know Yeah, we need boxes. (laughs) No, like, super true. So can we talk about another challenge that has happened since I for me it's like ever since I got pregnant and they say like oh pregnant brain yeah that's not a thing I call it mom brain because yeah. it never really got better yeah it's and just permanent so we had we had this professor in vet school and he made the analogy of like your brain is like an iceberg and so many penguins fit on it at one time and as you put penguins on it like more penguins jump ship and I was like oh it makes so much sense that's why I can't remember what side of my car the gas tank is on. Yes, I know there's an arrow. I drove an old truck in vet school. There was no arrow in my defense. I was like, there's an arrow. <laughs> what arrow are you referring to? <laughs> but yeah, that's gotten so much more dramatic since having kids. Yeah. Is like there's just only so many penguins that will fit at one time. And it's like sometimes they jump off and they swim around and then they jump back on. Yeah. And it's like you just never know who you've got. No, mine have time. abandoned ship and they're enjoying the Arctic. <laughs> like, like the there ship sucks and no orcas in your in the ocean (laughs) (laughs) no it's so true though like it's just there's so much you're trying to remember and keep on top of it's with your kids it's like okay like what doctor's appointments do we have to take care of vpk is starting and i have to figure out the paperwork for vpk and all of that so it's like you have like your family life you're trying to you know keep on top of and then you have your work life so you have like your patients and your clients and then you know for me I've been at my practice for the whole time since I graduated. So the the staff we have there is like family to me. And some of them have been there since I've been there. And some of them, you know, have things that they're going through. So it's like, okay, like, how are they doing? And how are things going with them? And then, of course, like your clients. And then there's some patients where you have long-term things that you're keeping track of. So you're like, okay, how are they doing? And then you have your callbacks. And then you have your appointments. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I need at least two penguins back on this iceberg. Like, good <laughs> Lord. On, Jump up. Yeah, and then there's advances that you need to keep track of, which is why VMX is amazing. So you can keep track of all the new things that you can offer to better your patients' lives. And so 
It's just that juggling act of trying to remember as much as you can, learn more things, and remember to just put pants on every single morning, which is a struggle for me. Like, today is not going to work out. I don't have pants on. The, the penguins, I have all left. The ships. Yeah, like, there's have, no, the iceberg is melting. Global warming in my brain. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I know that's sometimes a challenge where like my notes look a little bit different now than they did when I first graduated. Because when I first graduated, I could remember everything. And I was like, okay, this is what we did. And they're going to come back in two weeks for a recheck. And I could keep it in my brain of like, okay, when they recheck, we're going to recheck this blood panel. And we're looking for this. And I need to ask them these questions. And and it was just all there, like in my brain. No, no, no longer. Like now it's all written in the note. (laughs) Yes. Even my boss is like joked with me. She was like, your notes from when you first started are vastly different from how they are now. So when I first started, it was this like beautiful novella like it was just like 800 pages of everything about the patient and the client and like 900 differentials of what it could be and like all 10 diagnostics I recommended (laughs) and now it's so condensed compared to before but she was like your notes were rough to get through because it would take like an hour and a jug of coffee to like read your notes from before well and I think there's like there's a confidence aspect of that right because in one place where I worked we had to send a lot of emails which email is really not my preferred form of communication I just like I get kind of caught up in like oh but what if they interpret it this way and and things like that and so you want to talk about a novella like yeah I was sending these like long emails of, like the ALP is elevated right you know where I'm going with this I'm like it could be this and it could and we could do this and and I have to offer you this and, and it was like this whole thing and then I think over time you know I still include some of that information to a degree but I, I think a lot of it just confused people and they were like who are you yeah and why are you emailing I don't me? even know who I am anymore after yeah. reading your email like exactly <laughs> like I'm just gonna need to go for a walk for a little while digest all that information um, but it, like you know even when I do communicate via email from time to time it's much more condensed because there was a confidence factor there of like okay I've seen this before right. I know what to do with this yeah and I can say this I see this these are the possibilities, but I'm pretty sure we're here. And so let's do this as the next step and really offer guidance or offer like one or two options, not, you know, like all the differentials for an elevated ALP right. that could ever exist. And yeah. God forbid they're anemic at the same time. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I remember like a two point elevation, I'd be like, here is all 800 tests that I would like to run on your dog. That is completely normal otherwise. <laughs> and that, it's like you with said. point elevation. No. And like, yeah, like you said, with experience, you kind of have a better handle on what's sort of really important to work up and what are things that are like we can just monitor this or this is probably just benign changes sort of a thing right you can just kind of give them some guidance because that's what people want to know like because I'd give them all this information and then we, they'd be like so what do I do yeah <laughs> I and like, then I'd oh, be is like is that where we are we're, we're all the way back to like what do I do I, w- yeah. I would do nothing I'd keep an eye on it yeah. and they're like okay why didn't you say that to begin right. with I'm like well I did it was on page 36 yeah exactly like you made it sound so much worse than what <laughs> yeah. it was and I'm like oh I'm sorry that was not my intent which along those lines let's talk about okay so you said made it sound so much worse than it was but oh, yeah. one of the things that we brainstormed was that sometimes when we get a definitive diagnosis and we're like oh I know what this is and we get really excited because we finally have a definitive answer which doesn't always happen in vet med that sometimes we get really excited and you had a story about that. Yeah, no, because I think like we I kind of forget like, OK, like this is still someone's baby and you still have to be empathetic and understanding about that. Then the other half of it is like, oh, my gosh, it's so difficult sometimes to get to a diagnosis. So you get really excited. This is a routine one. But so in our area, we don't get a lot of heartworm positive cases. And I had a technician working with me this day and we had a dog who unfortunately was heartworm positive. So I was 
I didn't know the results. I was talking to the owner in the room and we were kind of chatting about just like her dog in general. And this tech just bust down the door, like Kool-Aid man style. <laughs> and then she just almost like sings. Like she's like, he is heartworm positive. Like, oh, no. And like was really jazzed oh, about no. it. And I'm like, and the client was like confused. She's like, is that, is that good? And I was like, no, this is not good. <laughs> I will be having a word with my tech after this about how we announce that news when we get it. But yeah, yeah, it's just like, okay, like we have an answer and we know what to do for it, but it's still like, hey, you have to be like empathetic and have decent bedside manner and be able to explain this to a client and not have your tech just like bust down the door, just Broadway style, like just <laughs> sing about it to your client. I'm like, I'm positive. Yes, no, yeah, she was real jazzed about it because it was the first one we've ever had and she was so excited to like see that positive test. It's terrible as it is to say, but it's like we just never get that. And so she's a little more excited than the situation warranted. Exactly. Yeah, you just, you still have have to remember like okay like we have an answer we we can do something about this but also we need to be compassionate in how we present that to a client and not like tony style award like be very <laughs> so i i've been guilty of that myself i've had to learn from my mistakes and yeah sometimes there's like a few deep breaths outside the door we're like oh but i found this really cool thing yes oh, but this is not good yes. news and, yeah yeah, yeah. So and just kind of being like i'm very because because you're it, and, it, and it comes from no you know you're not obviously like wishing any ill will on the pet no. or on the owner it's just you know like you can actually tell them definitively what is going on right and and like i said that doesn't always happen we get our our hands tied for one reason or another and we can't fully work up a case and figure out what's going on so when we really get that definitive answer it's like oh I know what this is I know what this is I know what this is we can tell you. but the owners aren't as excited about yeah, it as right. we are. yeah it's like oh that's not good news you made it sound like it was good news although sometimes when we deliver good news that can also backfire in our face. Yes. No. And that's something where it's just like experience teaches you this and how to like frame owner expectations. As an example, I had this dog with like a real gnarly, it almost looked like a mass. And it looked Oh, really, I remember this. Yes. And it looked really sinister under the microscope. And I even at the time we had just graduated. So I had the number of our ClinPath professor and I'll send it to her. And I was like, I know like inflammation can make things look worse, but this looks really bad. And she was like, yeah, this looks pretty terrible. So instead of going to a client being like, this looks concerning for something really aggressive. You know, we should work this up further. I just guns ablaze and was like, this is cancer and we need to take this off and we need to do something, you know, immediately about this. And I didn't even like consider the option of like, maybe it's not and it's just really inflamed. And so anyway, so we go and biopsy it. It's not cancer. So we call her and I'm like, hey, great news. It's not cancer. And she was really upset about it. And she was like, are you serious? It's not cancer. And I was like, ooh, we're mad that we're not cancer ridden right now. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, you know, in retrospect, this was my fault in setting it up. This is what it is. So that's the other thing where that was another surprise for me. It's like even good news, if you don't set the client up appropriately for it and have good communication to say what the various outcomes could be, then yeah, they get kind of upset that you've led them to believe there's something really seriously wrong and they're really distraught about it. And then you come back and you're like, it's fine. For some, you know, for some, they don't receive that as well when they've been led to believe. So I was I was shocked. I was like, oh, God, you're you're mad. Your dog doesn't have a terminal process. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this phone call now. Which I will say when I have like a, a really good tech or a really good assistant who I've worked with and, you know, I trust their knowledge and their delivery and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll even have them jump in to help me deliver a diagnosis or a recommendation and stuff like that because I feel like I've seen them take it down to like a much 
I was gonna Simpler say sometimes level. they're better. <laughs> yeah, like I can just I can spin and I can go and go. Well, what about this? And I go well, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. And then I've seen I've seen my tech just kind of be like, shh, yeah, stop you it, just stop you, it. And then they, you, you know, they leave. give an answer. I'm like, yeah, what she said. Yeah, yeah that's 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 what you should do. That yeah. makes much more sense than anything I said. Yeah, because yeah. I'm up here, you know, and I'm thinking about like all the possibilities, and I don't want to leave any information out, and I don't want to, you know, feel like I'm I'm not being fully forthcoming with everything. But really, like. The client doesn't necessarily want like my four years of vet school condensed into fifteen minutes. Like they just want to know where do we go next? Yeah. And and what are what are the possibilities? What are the pros and the cons? And and what are your recommendations? Yeah. And yeah, sometimes I feel like like my technicians and assistants are better at delivering that than no. I am. And it's crazy like how much you like realize you rely on them. So that's oh, like gosh. I guess another thing that surprised me. Like I always knew how much like texts were important, of course, and everything, but I just did not realize how much they saved me until oh, like yeah. went into clinical practice especially my first couple of years out like they saved me there's been so and it just like that like there's been like client interactions where I was just like just drowning right. and my tech was like I'm gonna just take over and she has some other things she needs to do and she was She's just like busy. yeah she there. would just like literally kick me out the room and was like you're done here <laughs> you, you I'm on damage control duty now because <laughs> you are just not doing well <laughs> oh I can relate to that so much yes and then they'll also help keep me on track too if you get so close with your clients and you sort of get lost in conversation about things like completely unrelated to their pet sometimes and then I'll have a tech come in and be like hey just wanted to let you know your samples are ready or they'll say something to be like you've been in here for three days and you have other patients you need to see like it's yes, time absolutely. You're like, to okay, move back to, along back to, what is my job again yeah <laughs> so one thing that's maybe not a surprise to either one of us or maybe it is because of you know all the things that go along with vet med but I still love it yeah no, I do too. Because I, I think in anyone's career, like you reach points where you're just like really frustrated and there's things that really just, you know, upset you and bring you down. But then when I think about it, I'm like, there is nothing else that I, I would love to do more when I really think about it or that I would enjoy more. And I think that's what you have to remind yourself of the days that are tough. Like, of course, every job has them. But at the end of the day, you do something that's meaningful that in your part of the world, you are helping you know, that human animal bond and those owners and those pets and you're you're doing something positive for your community and something that's really meaningful and brings you joy and brings joy to, you know, owners and everyone else you interact with too. So it's something that it, it's and it's like you were saying earlier, like there's also so many other avenues that you can pursue and there's so much that you can do. You know, if you're doing something like general practice and you want to do something different, like you're not boxed in and just doing that forever. And there's so many other opportunities and things that you can pursue too. And so it's just such a it's such a creative and amazing field to be in. It's not one size fits all. It's not like, you know, you get out of school and then you go into small animal general practice and this is what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, you, there's so many opportunities to to find the right practice and to to find the right team and just you know, even if practice in general isn't for you, you know, there's there's so many other options. You can specialize, you can not specialize, you can, you know, go into industry or education and, and all these different avenues. So uh, to, to quote the great Dana Barbell, of the of the bad decisions I've made in my life, becoming a veterinarian is not on that list. Yeah, 100%. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it and had as much fun as I did. I mean, sitting down with my BFF and being able to just talk about like vet med in general, it was, it was just fun and kind of cathartic. So yeah. thanks, Top. Oh, thanks for having me. It was amazing. 
Alright guys, I hope that was as much fun for you guys as it was for us and that, you know, maybe there were some things in there that you could relate to and just, just enjoy for a fun listen. I want to say a big thank you to Dr. Blaber, to Toffee for joining me. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. For more episodes like this, click on the Education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this session as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.